Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com. Welcome to the Watford Buzz podcast. Matt Messiano here today, and alongside me is show regular Tom Burdell. Yes, he's back. Uh, no Jordan Weimer today, though, but we do have a debut amongst us. It's sports journalist Bradley Hayden, and uh, someone that you're familiar with, Tom. Yeah, Bradley, good lad. We worked together a long, long time ago now, and he's done very well for himself, struck out in his own right, so it's nice to nice to be uh, reunited. We speak it very occasionally on Twitter, but always marks him out as someone with a bright future. Uh, he's too kind. I mean, I've got I've got Tom to thank. Really, he was the he was the first person I spoke to when I was on the work experience at Watford Observer in the. Uh, he helped me, helped me out a long way since Tom, and I've got, I've got to give a mention to Adam Hewson as well, who always gave me a, a, a big big hand as well as Anthony Matthews. So yeah. Um, yeah, no, great to speak to you both again. Yeah, and Adam, another guy that's been on the show before. Uh, I, I basically, we're just collecting uh, old old wobby uh, journalists, aren't we, Tom? That's simply what we're doing. There are worse things to do, to be fair. There are worse, and the worse things to collect. We won't go into that, perhaps. Just get the whole set. Um, okay, well, we're chatting here today after having a day to reflect upon the Leicester 4, Watford 2 fixture. But before we properly get into that, though, what, what was your feeling ahead of the match, guys? I mean, coming in to this one after the Man United victory, and we'll start with yourself, Bradley. You must have been feeling um, quite up for this one, right? Yeah, I mean, considering Leicester's form as well hasn't been all that great um, leading up to this game, I was hopeful that we would be able to ride a bit of a crest of a wave. And obviously with the Ranieri factor as well, going back to his old club, you know what it's like with old managers going back to their clubs and seemingly always Mm. getting some sort of result against them. I hoped we would be able to ride that crest of a wave and with the Ranieri factor as well, maybe come away with a point, but on the other hand, the King Power Stadium has not been a happy hunting ground for us in, in recent years. We last won there, I think it was under uh, under Zola in the playoffs or, or before that in, in the in the run-up to the playoffs in uh, in 2012-13. So it's not been a happy hunting ground at the King Power, but I was hopeful after the, the win over United and with the Ranieri factor as well that we might 
pull off a little bit of a surprise and get some sort of result there. But um, as we were alluding to to start off with, uh, William Trues to Kong's defending put put pay to that, didn't it? <laughs> yeah, we'll get into that. <laughs> um, Tom, you missed the chance to speak about the Man United game. You must have been pretty happy with watching that one. Well, I would have been, but I was at Barnet and uh, <laughs> they won that day, but they laboured to the win. I tried to get a ticket for the United <laughs> game, but couldn't. All the people I know that have season tickets that I borrow from time to time, not that I, not that I would advocate such behaviour, were using them, surprise, surprise. So I had to settle for Barnet instead, but I was very pleased to see uh, that result. And to be honest with you, off the back of that, and as Bradley rightly said, with Leicester's kind of form of late, despite our poor record up at Leicester, I thought, oh, we've got half a chance here. They're not in great nick, and yeah, well... As as you say, we'll get into it, but that is just typical, I think, of us this season and perhaps under Ranieri as well. You know, one step forward, one step back. Yeah, four two. It finished in the end for the, for the neutral, probably quite an entertaining one. But uh, from a Hornets' perspective, uh, off to a very bad start early on. Madison scored probably one of the easiest goals he's ever going to score in his career, and well, it's probably down to the lack of a, a well, a few things actually. Probably firstly, the lack of perception. I, I'd say. From True Stecon, I can understand why he doesn't head the ball because his intention is for it to go back behind to Backman. But what I can't understand is why he wasn't aware of his surroundings and, and, and Madison's positioning. I mean, clearly, if he'd, if he'd known that, he would have headed the ball, surely. I, I, don't, I don't get it. But Bradley, what, what do you reckon? I completely agree. I've, I've been watching that goal back so many times, trying to see if... I don't know if it was a couple of seasons ago when we played Bournemouth away and Harry Arter gave Chalaber a shout to, to leave it and he did mm. and uh, Bournemouth went up the other end. So I was trying to see if Madison had done a little, been a little bit cheeky and, and mm. sh- gave him a shout on behalf of the goalkeeper to say that the, he, he was clear to, to leave it. But I've seen no shout of that and really, as you say, the first thing a defender needs to do is, is just to clear it really. So why he's even leaving it in the first place he should really just just get his head to it, just get any foot, any something on it, just to, just to get it out of play. And the more times you see it, it just gets worse and worse and worse. As well as what you say about being aware of his surroundings, surely you know you should be checking to see if anyone's around him, anyone's behind him. Mm. You would have thought someone in that defence as well, or Daniel Backman in goal, would have given him a shout or something like that to warn him that there was well, someone yeah. around him. Yeah, I mean, is, is Backman at fault though as well? Poor communication, really. Yeah, and I think I don't think Backman covers himself in glory with the second either. Um, I don't know what you guys think about the goalkeeping situation at the minute, but I'm sure that's something we'll touch on <laughs> in, in a short while. But it, it just it's it's a weird one with our defence because at the Man United at the Man United game, I've been to I've been to a few home games this season, and the Man United game was the was the best I've seen us play defensively this season. We barely gave him mm. a sniff. I think Nicholas Nkulu being out of of the game at the weekend was a big miss. But yeah. people like Kiko Feminia and Adam Messina I thought were their best game of the seasons against against United. Not quite seen that against Leicester since. So it's the same old situation really, where we're being caught out for for slack defending, and you look at other teams around us and you, you think. You know, with the with the players that we've got, you know, if we really want to start, we can't really afford to be making those sort of mistakes. We want to be staying up this season, but we've got a tough week this week. Now yeah. you'd hope after get these two games out of the way and then hopefully the fixtures start getting a little bit easier and maybe we might start picking picking a few more points up. But I thought it was interesting what Musa Sissoko said after the game to the to the in house channel, Watford's in house channel, that basically Watford need to cut out the silly mistakes and I, I wonder if, who he was talking about there yeah I wonder yeah I'm trying to imagine Foster in that situation then I can only see him 
shouting at, at Ekong and directing him, telling him what to do. But, uh, you know, you, are you right to, to mention the communication there? And, and maybe from, from, from the fellow centre-back as well, because, the, you know, I, I, don't, I don't see Ekong, you know, making that decision if he's got communication around him, telling him what, what, what's around him. I mean, firstly, you're right, he should be aware of, of his own surroundings. But if not, someone should be telling him what's going on. But, Tom, I guess you were pretty unhappy to see that kind of display as well, that first, that first conceding. Go on. yeah. You could you could put it that way, yeah. I think that's it. Trooster Kong is a very easy target at the moment, yeah, isn't he? Is, if you, yes. as I always say on this show, take your kind of barometer via Twitter, um, you know he's he's getting pelters along with Ben Foster. I'm sure we're going to get into that, um, and Daniel Batman as well, to be fair. Um, but in the position that Batman's in, you always say the keeper can see everything that's mm. in front of him, right? He should be giving the shout or or coming and dealing with it. And maybe that leads to Bradley's point, you know, him to kind of come out perhaps a bit too proactive in coming off his line um, for the second goal. But yeah, I think there's a, you know, there's a catalogue of errors there. And even Craig Cathcart, you know, if you watch Jamie Vardy's run from the start, he runs around the back of Cathcart, who hasn't got a clue he's there. Because at one stage I thought, oh, maybe Cathcart's given him the shout and said, I've got him and then lost him. But no, Cathcart hasn't got a hasn't got a Scooby either. (laughs) And then, and then, and then he makes Trista Kong look like an idiot. And do you know what? We've got championship defenders. We defend like a championship team or get made to look like we're defending like a championship team. Mm. The irony being we were good defensively last year, but it's it's as simple as that for me. It's just, you know, it's just all the goals. There's multiple people that are culpable on them, but it's just so, so soft. And, and, and to be honest with you, the one thing I thought that, the one thing I expected when we spoke a couple of months ago when, when Claudio got appointed was that he would make us tough to beat and defensively resolute first. And I didn't have the benefit, obviously, that Bradley had of, of watching the United game in full. But um, that game aside, you know, I think you'd be hard pushed to say that we're markedly improved from a, from a defensive point of view, and that that does concern me. I, I saw an image on on social media channels, and and I, I saw that it was a picture of um of a car, and maybe maybe you've seen this one. It, it's like yeah. a car that's split up into three different parts. The first part, the tail end, is is like a rust bucket. And then in the center, you've got like a mid-range kind of Ford Focus or something like that. And then at the front, the very, very front of it is there like a super sports car with the descriptions ahead of them, defense, midfield and attack. And, you know, there's no price for guessing which part of that car is, is what for defense, is there? <laughs> Absolutely. But I, I think it, I think Nkulu's a big miss because I think he's he's brought a real calmness to our game. But what we touched on in the communication, I've been to five home games this season. And for most of them, I've been to, been to Liverpool, I've been to Newcastle, I've been to Wolves, and I've been to Southampton as well as the United game. And the amount of times you sort of look at our defense and... There's people around there that they just don't seem to know what they're doing. Either there's a lack of communication, but they're not too sure who's meant to be picking up who. There's there's no one sort of tracking runs. I think like against against Newcastle and Southampton, it's just like whenever a side takes the lead against us, they always have a real sort of 15, 20 minute spell, certainly in those games. But they absolutely batter us offensively. Um, it's either... We can see we make silly errors in defence, whether it's Craig Cathcart passing the ball to someone on the halfway line, or it's <laughs> William Trooster Kong as he's did against Leicester ducking to avoid the ball, or it's just just needless tackles or or needless needless sort of brainless thinking at times where you think that a little bit more communication or a little bit more sort of nous about you there, 
and you you have a bit more just better reading of the game really being more switched on and having a better understanding a better reading of the game and you can get yourself out of that situation it seems at times our defence is prone to switching off far too often. That's not quite been the case when I've seen Nkudu play with Cathcart, and we've seen a lot better, but certainly without him, and, and the fact that you know we're in, he's only played three games and he's always already seemingly a huge part of this defence, the fact that you know without him we're going back to the same old situation where we're switching off, we're not reading things, we're not communicating, it is a cause for concern, and you would hope that in January... The, the, the owners would back Claudio Ranieri and would get in another centre-back, spend the sort of money that they would, you know, spend on a midfielder, on a centre-back, mm. and then hopefully bring the defensive milder to, 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 to replace the likes of a Peter Otavo who's out for, for five months. Yeah. I, mean, I, saw, I saw quite a few tweets saying something along the lines of what's Ranieri supposed to do with those defenders? And, and I think that's a good argument, actually, because Ranieri has been brought in to to coach um, the team to, to play in a, in a better way. And wh- whatever that means, like, you know, approaching, uh, taking his style and, and putting that onto the, onto the players and, and getting them to play, you know, in his, in his way. But, you know, there's only so much that you can do coaching-wise before you have to admit the players may not, just be, may not be good enough. And, you know, a, a, you know 50% of those players uh, in defence were the players that got us relegated when we were in the Premier League last time. So... You know, it, I mean, it just goes to it goes to suggest that perhaps they're not up to Premier League level. No, absolutely, and and, and to be honest, I can, you can see a trend here that the defence is an area that has gone underinvested in pretty much for as long as the Potsos have been here, and I, there's a large part of me that thinks that that's a, a intentional thing that the a defender, unless it's a Virgil Van Dijk or a Upamecano or someone of that ilk. You know, defenders just don't, you know, net you that much money. So there's not much point in spending, you know, kind of maybe, you know, our level, Ismail Asar money or, or, you know, equivalent kind of money on a defender because they're not going to recoup it at any stage. But there is a happy medium between going big and spending basically absolutely nothing on defenders. I think I'm right in saying in the in the first season back up in the Premier League, 15-16, when they bought... Uh, Jose Holobas in for about two million. He was our record defensive signing at that point, which <laughs> you know, and I realise that's kind yeah. of six years ago now. But I just think that's telling in itself when you know we spent, and it is you know it aligns with that 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 meme as you said, Matt, with the kind of car in three stages. The front looks great, but the back does not look too clever. And I would hope that Ranieri has been lobbying them every, and expect that Ranieri has been lobbying them every day for a proper dominant centre-half who's just going to come in and just do the basics well. And that's what we thought we were going to get with Craig Dawson, after all. You know, someone who would just do yeah. the basics well. Um, and look how he's doing at West Ham. Exactly, exactly. And you know what? It, I think that's a case of where a player that, that just didn't didn't quite work out for us, Dee, because he was, he was he's fantastic no, at West Ham. absolutely. For some reason, it just didn't really click for him. No. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, I think he had a good game under under Pearson, and I think probably for me he was he was our best player under under in that last sort of phase of the that season when everything was behind closed doors. I mean, sort of we just threw it up to to anyone, sort of at a free kick or or corner, we just lob it up to Craig Dawson. He seemed he got his head on it at the end of it, mm. but you know, as you say, it shows maybe what manager like Moyes can can do with, with a player like him he's got a tune out of him fair play to him but um as, as 
Tom said, I, I think that area of defence is it certainly needs needs investment. And I don't know about what you guys think, but I, I wasn't sure of Ranieri's what Ranieri's style was before the international break. But after the international break, we seem to be really we seem to look a lot lot better going forward, but creating chances. And I think that's a lot to, to Manuel Dennis and Josh King's form, and perhaps of Tom Cleverley coming into midfield as well. We're creating. Lots of chances, and we look really, really threatening on the break. But it's not helpful where you know if we want if we want to score a couple of goals, you know, two 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 goals at any sort of level, you should be winning that game. But it's our defence where you know we can't we can't keep keep the door shut. I mean, we've not kept a not kept a clean sheet all season. It's not really helpful for our attack where we need them to score three, four, five goals in order for us to have a a chance to. To win a game because in any sort of level, if you're scoring two goals away from home, you'd be expecting to to leave there with three points mm. or at least one point minimum. Yeah, um, I mean, what do you do about that? And I don't even think January is really the best time to be shopping around for a defender either. I mean, it's notoriously difficult to find a, you know, anyone decent in in January. But they've got to make a decision because. Premier League football is is worth a lot of money, more money than it would cost to bring in, you know, even you know an average Premier League defender. Yeah, that's it. I think January, as you rightly say, it's a difficult time to buy any any for any position, isn't it? You get kind of desperate players, or uh, you know, clubs that are desperate to get rid of players uh, are available, but but perhaps not a lot else, and, and certainly not in the the kind of price range that we're shopping in. But it, something has to be done. I, I hope also, and I'm, I'm sure also, there will be an improvement as Ranieri gets to work, you know, with the team over a longer period. But obviously we don't, we only have so, we only have so long. And uh, the other thing I'd say is that he's probably not had a consistent availability of, of defenders at any point yet, has he? Someone has seemingly always been out or unavailable or short of form. So, it's not been easy, but yeah, that was the, I must admit that was the one area where I thought, you know, straight away I can see the sense in that because he's going to come in in that appointment because he's going to come in and, and sort the defence out first and foremost. But yeah, we'll just have to keep hoping that the strikers do the business, won't we, <laughs> at this rate? He's not a defender, but someone we have been linked with recently is Amadou Diawara, who's currently at Roma. I mean, he, he looks very tidy, doesn't he? Uh, uh, mopping up at the back. Uh, I wonder, you know, if he could be the exact sort of person we need ahead of the defence um, in another position that we've not quite managed to nail down. Although Loser has come in recently and started playing very well in that kind of defensive midfield position. But um, what did you make of that speculation? I mean, it was a, a reported on Sport Witness that usually are, are fairly reliable, but. Um, yeah, I, I think um, it's pleasing to see us linked with a with a with defensive midfielder. I mean, we do like a a good buy from Syria as we have done from down the years. I don't know too much about him myself, but you know he seems to be fairly highly rated. And at the figure that was being about, uh, being sort of put around, I think it was a loan to the end of the season. With perhaps us looking to buy him in the, end of the season between eight to ten million. Certainly wouldn't be a bad piece of business, and you would hope that he would come in and improve our midfield. 
I think what you said there about Imran Luz <sighs> is quite interesting because I saw him against United and I thought that was the best balance that I'd seen in the in the midfield all season with Luzer sitting. Sissoko is more of the your box to box sort of helping out more more the defensive side yeah, of things, agreed. and then Tom Cleverley doing what Tom Cleverley does best at a number ten run and running around like an absolute nutter trying to chase down the defence, trying to trying to press from the front with Emmanuel Dennis, which I thought was really good. I think Imran Loser against United really, really switched on defensively, did really well. Some really intelligent balls out of the fence, playing into midfield. Some good deliveries as well. I like what I saw from him. Didn't really get to see an awful lot from him against Leicester, and he was hooked at half time, which I thought was quite interesting for for Ozan Tufan, who didn't seem to really do an awful lot. And I think he he's another one that's uh, that's an interesting one because I don't really feel like we've we know what his best position is. I don't really feel like we've seen what he can do and he always seems to come on in a different position sometimes he's played one sort of 20 minutes as an attacking midfielder he's played 20 minutes as a as a comes on and seems to play sort of as a box-to-box we've tried him at defensive mid but we don't really know where where we play him and he was sort of another flagship signing supposedly in the in the summer so it's going to be interesting to see where he fits into this midfield as well because it seems like now that perhaps loser and Sissoko and, and Cleverly are going to be in the midfield three. Um, I'm not convinced that Uri Kutz can, can play that, that defensive midfield position. I don't really feel like he has the legs, certainly against when, when he's playing against the bigger teams and a more energetic midfield. So it's going to be interesting to see where Ranieri tries to slot in Tufan as well. Yeah, Tufan's the odd man out in a lot of ways, isn't he? And you're right, Bradley. He does seem to always come on in a different position or start in a different position or the system changes or whatever. Whenever he plays, it's 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 yeah, that's been slightly strange and considering the fanfare, it feels like we're, you know, still some way from from seeing the best of him. In terms of Diawara, I mean i just pulled up his numbers for Roma. He barely played this season at all, it seems to be out there out the picture under Mourinho didn't play that much last season in the in the grand scheme of things less than a thousand minutes in in Serie A I don't think he's necessarily a typical kind of defensive midfielder in the sense that he's a kind of destroyer type but you know he looks like just watching a bit of him he, he looks like someone who will kind of sit at the base of midfield and, and try and get moves going a little bit maybe perhaps like like a slightly more physical Will Hughes, um, you know, seems to have a decent range of passing and, and what have you, but equally quite happy getting further forward as well. I do think, though, you know, Peter Otebo aside, we've not really got that proper ball-winning type, have we? And, and arguably, we didn't have it last season, but we got away with it because we had Will Hughes and he was so good at, um, you know, just sitting in there and picking up loose balls and, and getting moves started that way. So something has to give in there because I just I just don't think we can go through the rest of the season um, you know giving up the chances that we are giving up at the moment I, I looked at the the numbers for Watford since in the time that Ranieri's been in charge uh, versus the rest of the Premier League they've got the the, the third worst uh, XG conceded uh, figure in that period so you know something has got to give and it's, it's that simple I wonder if, I mean, when I watched Amadou Diarra, I'm going off highlights here, you know, obviously golden highlights as as they're called because people never put bad, (laughs) bad efforts in their highlights, do they? But uh, I mean, he he reminded me a lot of N'Golo Kante. I wonder if that's exactly the type of player that someone like Ranieri needs because, of course, he did so well with him uh, in Leicester. 
Yeah, absolutely. And uh, well, if he has a little bit of Etienne Capoue about him, that wouldn't certainly go amiss as well, considering that Capoue's mm. gone from playing championship football to, to winning the Europa League in the space of six months. But um, yeah, I, it's interesting because we do really need that defensive midfield because we don't really have that. We've got so we've got sort of you know someone trying to fill in there who's not really played that position. Yeah, Tebo's anyone who can who's played that position before. And, and we need that someone in there to, to help break up play, to help give us that little bit of breathing space. Because against Newcastle, after they took the league, it was just an absolute onslaught for 25, 30 minutes where they weren't even having to, to try that hard to get through get through our midfield. Two passes and you, you're straight through our, our midfield and you're running our defence. was the same against Southampton after a fairly even 15, 20 minutes. As soon as they take the lead... It's an onslaught until half-time. And in half-time, we seemingly are able to regroup ourselves and go again. So as well as that centre-back, we, we definitely need that defensive midfield to, to help screen that defence a lot more, to help give us a little, little bit of breathing space as well, because you just need that sometimes. Someone just to, to, to get, in, get in someone's face, get a tackle in, just to break things up, just to calm things down, get the fans back on side, most importantly, as well, when, when things aren't going your way, because... Certainly against Newcastle and Southampton, I felt like as soon as the the, t- the other team has taken the lead, the atmosphere has just been sucked right out of Vicarage Road. It wasn't the case against Man United when, you know, from, from minute one to minute 90, the team were on it and so were the fans. But I do feel like we need that defensive midfielder to help screen that back line to give us a little bit of protection. And I think that will only help our our, our flailing defence, who we always seem to know all, all know as as issues. I still don't think that Ranieri still knows it. His best starting four in defence. It seems like Kika Femenir is now down that place at right back. Now it seems like yeah. Nkulu's going to come in. But we still don't really know who, who's going to partner him. Is, is, is it going to be Cathcart? Is it going to be Sialtra back fit? And it seems like Messina gets two games and then Rose comes in for a game and gets absolutely roasted against one of the big teams and gets pulled back out again and then Messina comes back in. So I still don't think that Ranieri has got that. that the, he knows he's, he's starting defence yet and obviously that's not been helped through injuries either. No, I mean, there's no one really other than Firminia really that's... You know, Sticking their head out above everyone else and saying, "I'm, I'm, I'm the best one. Pick me." We'll give the defence uh, a criticism, a bit of a pause for a second now, because I want to talk a bit more about some of the great things that we saw. And at one nil down, um, it would have been very easy for Watford to, you know, especially after conceding the way they did, to maybe capitulate early on. But they actually, you know, played some of their aggressive stuff straight after that. And um, you know, Cucho, he had a, he had an effort that almost snuck in, albeit by a heavy deflection. And then Dennis, who probably, you know, I think you guys said earlier, is in, in, in with a shout of being our best player of the season so far, uh, deservedly was awarded the penalty after he was brought down by Ndidi. Uh, and then a good penalty, uh, well taken by King. And, and you know what, I'm quite happy for him to become the regular taker now because after the two efforts that we saw from Saar against United, I mean... Um, well, I, I think anyone anyone would be <laughs> could take a bet. Yeah, exactly. I said about that. But it was a good it was a good king penalty, though, wasn't it? Yeah, really good penalty. I was not watching it live. I've watched it back, but at the time, I thought, oh, he's not got much of a run up on that. But he opened his body out really well and and, and stuck it in the corner. Uh, probably no bad thing to have someone else that can take penalties in in Sar's absence, but also as I say, given he's had some misses. Um, 
going forward, yeah, I think that's the bit that surprised me the most. We we look, you know, we look a threat. The, the kind of the chance value, expected goals, two point seven three in that game. Obviously, there's a penalty in there, and they are, you know, high value by definition. But you know, we are creating opportunities, and by the sounds of it, from kind of reading what Leicester fans have said and whatnot. You know, at certain points in the game, we could have been on top. We could, or we were on top, and we could have been ahead. So, it's it's, it's frust- that probably makes the defensive side of it more frustrating that we've let ourselves down at the back. You know, it's not a case of being roundly beaten. We kind of beat ourselves almost. Um, in the time that Ranieri has been in charge, we've scored the most goals in the league, and we have uh, got the best expected goals figure as well in that time. So. Uh, you know that bodes fairly well for the the front end of the team, but yeah, that's really interesting. But, uh, but I mean, we can't just go into every game thinking we're going to score more than you, so it doesn't matter if you if, if you score loads against us because that's not going to happen every game. Just as we saw, you know, against Leicester. No, but I think the pleasing thing as well is a lot of a lot of people outside from Watford just look at Watford and say, "Is my Lassar? He's Watford's only main friend. You know, get the ball to him. You know, they'll try and get him in behind, then he'll score. Look to set one up." I think the pleasing thing for us is that we don't necessarily need to rely on Saar now so much to to conjure up a little bit of magic for us because we've got Emmanuel Dennis who has been a real breath of fresh air considering he arrived at Watford with a little bit of a bad boy attitude and the fact that he was kicked off the coach yeah. for, for not getting the seat that he, he wanted in, in Club Bruges. I mean, he's come to Watford and he's not your, your typical sort of winger sort of striker, that quick striker that you're used to seeing. He's, he's got really good upper body strength and he can hold the ball up and he can, he can bring others into play really well. He's got, he's quick, so he, you can get him running in behind He's got a little bit of skill about him as well, so you can you can rely on him to sort of try and beat a man, and and get in and get past someone and get in behind. He, he he's really got good awareness, as we saw against Everton, where he, he set up two after coming on. Good bit of awareness against Manchester United to put the ball in for King as well. So I think his all round game is something that's really impressed me, and the fact that he's got five goals and five assists in twelve games. I think you know he's only the sixth person to have done that in the Premier League, and. You know, any second to Mo yeah. Salah at the minute when it comes to goals and assists. I think that's really pleasing, the fact that, you know, from now at the start of the season where I was worrying by if, you know, if Saar gets injured for a long period of time or if Saar's not his game, where the goal's going to come from. Now we've got Emmanuel Dennis banging him in and Josh King's someone who I've always liked at Bournemouth. I mean, I'm just happy that I can actually cheer his goals now that considering he always used to score against us for Bournemouth. Every time we played against <laughs> us, it always seemed inevitable that, that him and Ryan Fraser and Callum Wilson were going to get on the score sheet for them. I think it's quite nice to see as well him coming into to, to his own a little bit as well because I think a lot of people were sceptical about that signing considering he went to Everton didn't get a sniff people looked at him 29 you know just come out of Everton not really done an awful lot struggled on his last few months at, at Bournemouth so I think people looked at that and thought is is King sort of re- still still up to Premier League standard but he showcased he is I think he's got he's got really good understanding with Dennis and, and King uh, and, and Saar rather you know he can he can play off the left like he did against United he can play up front he, he he's a he, he's he's can he can poach a goal as well like he did against United a real sort of good poacher's finish where he's on the penalty spot to to stick it in, you know he can also link link come short and link link up really well so I think this is probably the most exciting 
sort of front three that we've had at Watford for for a, a long period of time now. I mean, you know, we've had the likes of Delefeu and Pereira down the years who have, you know, had their individual moments of brilliance and, and carried us at times when they're at their best. But now we've got three dynamic players up front who can mix it up but can also you know they've also got their pace to run in behind and on the counter as well which we've done a lot under Ranieri where we've looked to counter at pace that's a really good tool to have and I I really like watching those three play and obviously with Chucho coming into the team recently as well and coming off the bench late on in games as well and obviously we've got the Jao Pedro conundrum as well is where does he fit in at the minute is he gonna is he gonna play as more as a centre attacking mid for the last 15 20 minutes of game where are we going to use him more as a as an out and out striker yeah. yeah i mean it's it's great they're interchangeable as well aren't they i mean it, there was a there was a great piece that was out the other day talking about peak ages and they're all kind of in that sort of realm aren't they other than josh king who uh you, you know they're all sort of peaking at the at the right sort of time or just about to peak it's a, it's uh it's really good for what for going forward um it's interesting you said there that we're going to have to um uh you know see what it's like without Saar and it, you know that might be the case now obviously Kucho came in for Saar because Saar was injured and it, it appears to be a knee injury and we're not sure exactly how long he's going to be out for I mean the fact that the club haven't really communicated too much to us it could be a bad one guys we, we don't know mm, big fear and it didn't look it didn't look good against United yeah, it always makes me suspicious when they uh, they don't immediately kind of come out with any news about the, the severity of any injury. It makes you think they're trying to, uh, you know, uh, delay firstly, but also see if there's anything that, that can be done to speed it up or sort it out, or if there's a positive spin they can put on it by doing some kind of preliminary uh, surgery or treatment or what have you, and, and you know, and tell us it's not as not as bad as first feared. Yeah, it does. It, it worries you. And, and obviously with the African Cup of Nations as well, you know, it could be a while before he's back. Mm. Kucho came in though. And, um, you know, he's been hit and miss, but mostly hit this season. How did you think he did yesterday? I thought he looked good. I think I, I like I like his um, I like his tenacity and the fact he's quite fearless as well. Uh, I'm not sure I could rock the, the Sergio Aguero look that he, he's pull, trying to pull off at, at, <laughs> at the minute. But um I like his fearlessness and the fact that he's not scared to to have a crack from distance. I think his decision-making still needs a bit of work. I think there was that chance just after half-time where he he gets into the box and, you know, could have a chance to to shoot himself and really test Michael in the the snow, but he decides to to pull it back for King and that's a a wasted chance. So I still think his decision-making needs a little bit of work and perhaps you know the defensive side of things he needs to 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 improve on as well in terms of trying to get back and and help Adam Messina or Danny Rose whoever is playing at, at left back but he's someone that's really been someone that we perhaps didn't think we'd ever seen a Watford shirt considering he's done so well in the league or was linked to Barcelona at one point um, and you know, yeah. it seems like some 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 of these players at Watford sign who, who make big sort of announcements out of, or as, as we didn't with Chucho, did we? One one went under the radar, but it seems like a lot of these players that we sign and seemingly don't have a clue what is when when and how we've even signed them, we never seem to even seem to to see them pull on the Watford shirts. It's been nice to see what we've actually got one through the door who we've actually seen grace the turf at Vicarage Road I mean as, as you say he's had his moments with his goal against against Villa 
hopefully we, we mm-hmm. will get a little bit more consistency out of him at some stage. But I, I think, you know, if he's not starting games, he's certainly a, a weapon to, to bring off the, the the bench when we need, you know, a good, when we're trying to chase a game with, with 15 or 20 minutes to go. Certainly going to be a useful tool throughout the season. And I, I, hopefully the, the best is still to come from him. Yeah, showed a slight bit of inexperience yesterday, Tom. But in general, he's you know, he's he's a real talent. Yeah, I still full, don't fully know what to make of him because I've only seen glimpses and and whatnot and bits off the bench. I don't think I've I don't think I've seen a game in person where he played ninety minutes uh, this season. Sorry, I'm just speaking slowly to wrap my brains. No, did, did he start? He didn't. Did he start against Southampton at home? He that did. Might have been, yes. If he, he did, yeah. That's the most I've seen of him, and apart from the one chance that kind of Ben Foster pinged one out to him for, he didn't do a, an awful lot in that game. But then everyone was awful. Yeah, it's, it's kind of hard to know, but you know, I think we've seen in moments there's there's definitely a player there, isn't there? The the that kind of explosiveness, cutting in off the left. You know, he seems to love that, and that chance he had against Leicester where he drives into the box and he ended up. I think this is what Bradley was referring to when he said that little bit of you know, kind of naivety perhaps when he tried to pass it to King. I mean, fair play to him for being selfless, but given the goal he scored against Villa, I'd have thought, he's, you know, he'd have been fully up for having a crack from there and and, and really trying to beat Kasper Schmeichel. Um, but, you know, there's, there's evidently a player there. He wants to try things. He's, you know, he's he's bold. He's fearless. He wants to run at people. Um, you know, he's maybe a little bit predictable in terms of, coming in off that left-hand side. But there's evidently there's evidently someone with some talent there. It's just about, I almost think it's about giving him regular minutes in a regular position, in a regular system. Uh, yeah. You know, he does seem to be that kind of, he gets bought off easily or he gets thrown on for the last 20 when games are a bit kind of chaotic and what have you. And, you know, he's not had um, maybe the best platform to show us what he can do yet. But yeah, I'm certainly, I'm certainly encouraged there's a, there's a player in him. And with Saab out potentially for X number of games, who knows? Um, this could be his chance. This could be his moment to 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 try and prove to everyone just just that he belongs in that team. And and you know, I'm, I'm I don't uh, bet against him. I think he I think he's going to prove to everyone just how good he is. Um, Saab then one of the few players actually that was injured for that game yesterday. Another one was Ben Foster, who I think has actually defied a lot of his critics this season. Um, out currently with a, with a groin injury, so for for back when it was a it was a big game for the for the current second choice to to prove a point, and he's been quite vocal recently, hasn't he, about um, potentially wanting to make a move away in January or at least get more more minutes in the team because he feels like he deserves it. Did he prove anything yesterday, guys? Not for me, no. Um, <laughs> no, I'm I've not. Been com- never really been completely convinced by Daniel Bankman. I think he did well coming into the team last season, but has always been part of me that thinks that maybe he's sort of a high-end championship goalkeeper and maybe that's his peak. And I think yesterday, you know, I think his decision-making, you know, coming out for that second goal was really not, not wise at all because I think, you know, if he lets Vardy stay wide and, and continue at the, the angle that he was going at, it's going to take something pretty special in order for him to, to beat him there. So I think it was pretty needless to come out. I feel like a, he's not very commanding of his area when it comes to, to corners as well. I feel like mm-hmm. he, he needs to be a little bit more 
more organised, a little bit more authoritative in his area. He seems to be scared to come off his line at times. And I suppose the other thing that doesn't really convince me as well is it's. I don't really feel like it, it, it takes a lot for, for an opposition player to, to beat him. I feel like whenever shots on target or, you know, seemingly going towards goal, half the time it always seems to beat him for whatever reason. I remember going to, to the game against Wolves and, you know, I, I remember for, for either the, the, the second goal, I don't really feel he covered himself in glory there. Obviously, you've got a Tottenham game this season as well where Son's free kick, he allows it to go all the way through and that's that was a glaring error where you look at that and think, you know, could have really done better there. He's been quite vocal, as you say, saying in, in the foreign media that he's, he's been playing for, for non-football reasons. But he's, uh, he's, he's got his chance yesterday and I don't really feel like he, he took it there, really. And, and with Maduka Akoi coming in, in in the summer, uh, who's already said that he's been told he's going to be number one ne- next season, I wouldn't at all be surprised if we see Backman move on in January or, or next summer. Considering you yeah. know that uh, you know Ben Foster might be out in the door uh, towards the end of the season as well, you know Backman's Austria's number one. He'll want to play ahead of the World Cup next year. He's already already said as well that if he's not playing regularly in January, then you know he'll he'll look to leave. So, I, I, to be honest, I feel like you know we, we, he's had his chance, not really taking it. Did did well last season, but I don't really feel like he he's made the the step up to the Premier League, and you know not really convinced me. As much as Ben Foster has had, you know, a lot of people have said some bits about Ben Foster this season and how they feel he should have done better. You know, I, I've, in certain instances and, you know, how his distribution needs work. I certainly feel like after the, the Arsenal game and, and, you know, over the last few weeks, we've definitely seen the Ben Foster that first arrived back at Watford uh, in a few years ago under Javi Garcia and it's certainly been a lot more consistent recently and you know if, if Ben Foster was was back fit and, and ready to come to come back and play against Chelsea or Man City I think I'd have him back in, in between the posts in, in a heartbeat really mm. It was that that first uh, Vardy goal wasn't it that was uh, I don't think it would have been as easy for him to score the goal had had back but not made it easy for him I mean let's let's take your, your minds back to it he basically um Backman came out and then went down quite low to the ground as well to try and make the challenge. It, it opened up that invitation for, for Vardy to, to chip him. And, and, you know, Vardy's a great football player. When he gets that kind of opportunity, he's going to take it. And it felt like Backman made that made that goal happen in the way that it did. I mean, we, look, Vardy's a great player. He may have scored anyway had Backman not moved. But it certainly seemed like Backman gave him an easier chance. Tom? Yeah, it's... Um... It's not a, it, and this is Batman all over. I think it wasn't a glaring, you know, drops across into his own net kind of clanger, you know, Jack Bonham palms one up over his own head kind of clanger. No. But it was, it was soft, wasn't it? And I just feel like that's been the 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 problem on two or three occasions this season with Backman. Already, I don't think he's a bad goalkeeper at all. Yeah, maybe the top end of the championship is his upper limit. I think. The, the 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 funny thing to me is there's been so much kind of wailing and gnashing of teeth when it comes to Foster, uh, you know, and our backman has to play because people have kind of taken the the Foster off field stuff and used that as a stick to beat him with. And actually, I don't think he's played badly at all at any point. That you know, that he seems to have gone under the radar a little bit. That maybe Backman did not cover himself in glory yesterday. So I don't think it was a terrible performance by any means. But you know, there was just a couple of things where. Um, you know, could have could arguably have done better. The first goal, 
and the, the Vardy goal being two of those instances. And as Bradley said, I think a lot of the time, you know, he isn't. Uh, and, and sometimes this can be accused, you can level this at Ben Foster as well, but uh, Backman, you know, doesn't seem the most confident coming off his line, claiming things. You know, his distribution is very good. You know, there's no no doubt about that. And normally, you know, he's a shouter. We've we've learned that through lockdown. I mean, in empty stadiums, he's loud yeah, and he, yeah. you know, communicates and he's a leader in that respect. But, uh, um, you know, he just... I just wonder how much confidence he inspires in in the back line at the moment. Whereas Foster, you know, I just don't feel like he's going to let you down when he's in there. And I think at the moment, given how, um, you know, precarious things are going to be for us this season, I feel like we're going to be, I don't think I'm saying anything controversial here, but this is probably going to be the most close run thing for us in terms of staying up since we've been back in the Premier League under the Potsos. Um, You know, every little kind of marginal gain, counts for a lot and I just think Ben Foster's experience and some of the kind of reaction saves that he makes you know he he makes saves that Backman might not make case mm. in point being the Ronaldo 1v1 against United you yeah. know how many times have you seen Ronaldo just dance through and slot that under the keeper easy or sit the keeper down and just tuck it home but you know Foster made a really important save there at 2-1 I'm not saying he's infallible because he isn't but I just have slightly more confidence in him at the moment than I do Backman. And and look, you know, Jordan and I were on this pod last season singing Backman's praises and saying it's his to lose now. But I just think, you know, the number one chip. I just think maybe that the the the, the tide has changed on that respect. In that respect, are we going to talk about him playing for hashtag in a charity game and whether he may or may not have injured himself in doing so? Oh well, I uh, didn't realise that might have been the reason why he was injured pray do tell Tom well I, I've got a lot of thoughts on this and Bradley I'm interested to hear what you've got to say as well I just saw this afternoon on Twitter that essentially he played in a 24-hour charity match not the whole 24 hours of course but for to do with hashtag United and this was in midweek and then he was obviously ruled out this weekend so people have jumped to the perhaps natural conclusion that he injured himself um, in this game as I tweeted this afternoon, there's two ways looking at it. You know, Ben Foster does a nice thing for charity and and there's no issue, or Ben Foster does a nice thing for charity, but in the name of self or in the name of charity, but really it's that kind of self-promotion and, and YouTube and what have you and, and gets injured. But I suspect we will never know that the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. What I would say is surely at his age he's got to think about the optics of this as with other things this season. And, you know, regardless of whether he was injured in training on Friday afternoon or not, uh, it's not going to look good, is it? It's not, it's not clever. No, I mean, he has, he has commented on Adam Levantile's piece and said that he was uh, since and said he got injured in training on, on Thursday, but um, it does oh, seem... Li- I hadn't seen that. It, it, it does seem a little bit coincidental that, you know, he played hashtag yeah. United in the week and then he's got a, you know, he's he's been injured a day or two later. I, I get what you say, so it's not the, the look that you want to be giving when you're in the relegation battle and, you know, you've just had a really good performance against Manchester United beaten them, got their manager sacked, you know, on a bit of a little bit of a crest of a wave now where you can go to Leicester and, you know, have an opportunity to perhaps keep that momentum going by taking a point. 
And, um, you know, I don't think it's a good look where in, in the week, you know, he's playing in that as much as it is for a great cause. And I'm sure, you know, there was perhaps other means that he, he could perhaps have donated and maybe not taken part, uh, maybe not taken part in the game. I just think it doesn't look good when, you know, you're in the Premier League and, you know, got a big game again this weekend. And perhaps, you know, your, your preparation is is not at its maximum leading up to that to that fixture where he's playing in that in that game. I mean, how many how many other Premier League clubs are going to have their number one going out and playing in a in a, in a game or five-a-side game or whatever sort of type of match it was for however long, just two or three days before a fixture at the weekend? I'm pretty sure no other Premier League club is going to be letting that happen. So, yeah. you know, it doesn't look mm. good for him. And, you know, I can understand people's frustrations in terms of his, his channel this season where, you know, he said so the, the the whole scenario at the Liverpool game where he'd given tickets to to a UFC fighter who ended up getting chucked out for celebrating Liverpool's goals. You know, you had that situation against Arsenal where I know a lot of people were unhappy with the fact that he was seemingly happy for Aaron Ramsdale that he kept a kept a clean sheet. But on the other hand, you, you do want footballers to be authentic. Um, so I, I I can certainly understand fans' frustrations with it, and I, I don't think Ben does himself any favours putting himself in that situation where he's you know he's treading a fine line, and, and anything had gone wrong, or if anything hangs good wrong in that game, then he's going to open himself up for criticism. Saying so going back to his saves against United, I certainly feel like his save against Rashford in the first half has really gone under the radar. Wasn't shown against Manchester United uh, on match of the day, rather. But in the first half, that save against Rashford was huge. And I feel like there's certain moments in, in that game where he, he comes for a quarter and he just comes and he's positive and claims it. Or he does the same for, for you know, when, when we're trying to sort of, our defender trying to usher it back to the goalkeeper. You know, he just comes and claims those, those periods just to alleviate a little bit of pressure. And the big roar at those times when he did that against United, I think was was huge. And, I couldn't really see Dan, Daniel Backman doing it in in, in that in that sort of fixture. So you know, I, I, for me, I, I still think Foster is is our number one, and I feel like you know we need that experience because he's been in that situation before where he's been battling relegation with the likes of Birmingham, West Brom. He's been there, done it before, knows what it takes to get out of this side of things. So. I do feel that his his experience between the posts is going to help this this team, and you know I certainly feel like we look a lot more calmer in. Well, certainly we have a lot more trust in our goalkeeper uh, when he's playing than when we do with with, with Dan Backman. I feel like at times we uh, our defenders don't really know whether he's coming or going. Really, yeah, I'd agree with that. Uh, unfortunately, though, he is currently injured. Hopefully. He'll be back for Chelsea, but I, I suspect it's going to be another opportunity for Dan Backman, though. But, uh, I mean, you wouldn't pick Chelsea as being the team that you're going to try and uh, impress against, would you? I mean, <laughs> they're on fire, aren't they? Yeah, exactly. It's not it's not the run of fixtures you want. But, look, you know, I don't want to be too down on the guy either. He has done well for us and he did well for us last season and he has made good saves and, and what have you. And if, you know, if you're going to... I guess against you know teams like Chelsea and City, you're going to want to try and keep the ball to something or try and stop them having the ball, right? Well, having someone like him who is in the side that's going to try and you know use his distribution or or try and pick out chances on the counter and you know has got decent distribution is no bad thing either. So I certainly don't think it's a case of you know if it's not Ben Foster, then we're bang in trouble. I just I just think you know it's it's that you know Ben Foster's got that extra five percent on him maybe so. 
I'm not I'm not um, too disheartened, but yeah, yeah I, I would like him to be uh, backing up what he's got to say for himself in the media while on international duty. Put it that way. Bradley, are you a little bit concerned about Tuchel's Chelsea coming to Vicarage Road, or, or do you think that um, you know Watford are going to dis- dis- show the same display they did against Man United? I'm more concerned about the game on Saturday against Manchester City. We always seem to lose <laughs> yeah. about six nil to every every uh, yeah. every every season, and uh, I see Watford are trying to give away tickets to that game for under 18s while giving them away for for a quid. So uh, I feel like a lot of other fans must be bored of us seeing being absolutely tanked by by City. But as you say, Chelsea in great form, but. You know, teams have given them a run for their money this season. You know, look at Burnley at Stanford Bridge recently getting a point there. You know, I remember Brentford doing really well against Chelsea as well and um and being unlucky not to not to get a point with the chances they had and Edouard Mendy in the form that he was in. You know, they they maybe would have got all three that day if it wasn't for him. They there's a pet team that's also struggling with injuries at the minute, you know, Ben Chilwell out. Um, you know, Vern is missing chances while Lukaku is still not fully fit. Um, so I, f- I feel that if I, I feel like really City and Liverpool are the, are the only ones I, I'm really, really concerned about because you know we've not had an awful lot of great fortune against them in recent seasons. I do remember lots of great games against Chelsea where we've really taken it to them. We've got the better of them sometimes. We've taken points off them. That four-one sticks out, doesn't it? The uh, the uh, De La Feu goal as well. Exactly, and I, I remember I remember us under um, Kike going to Stamford Bridge yeah. and um, drawing two-two with them as well, which was uh, a, a great a great occasion. I even remember under Marco Silva as well when. Although we lost four two, we were two two one up two one up at one point, and we had chances galore. I think Rich Allison missed two mm. open goals, and we could have easily been four or five up away at Stamford Bridge. So, I feel like there's been lots of great games against Chelsea in recent years, and I feel if if we could if we could start in a in a fashion akin to what we did against Manchester United, where we we get Tom Cleverley chasing him down, we get Emmanuel Dennis if he's fully fit because I know he went off injured yesterday. Um, if we get Emmanuel Dennis getting into them, get get an early block in or something like that. If we can if we can start on the front foot, get the fans on side. I feel like we could maybe give them a little bit of a test, but as you say, it's going to be difficult. And if we do get any chances, we're going to need to take them. And 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 look to look to stick them away. Final point from me, uh, gents, before we wrap this one up. Uh, and I'm gonna I'm gonna back up Backman here as well, actually, because he was complaining about this. And if we get the uh, the kind of weather we got the other day, those balls they're not they're not bright enough, are they? I no. mean, I couldn't see what was going on for a lot of that game. No, they're quite funky, but they're not the orange balls of the past, are they? That they would crack out in the snow. I think there needs to be something a bit more snowproof. Um, because yeah, I was I was struggling to follow it. I must mind you, I'm colour blind and short sighted, so luckily I'm not in goal for us. <laughs> it's not a good start, is it? I mean, I've heard stories of uh, people who were at the ground on radio saying that um, there were radio reporters there who couldn't even see the the action on the pitch, and were having to get the producers to relay the information back to them on the uh, from watching the tellies back at where back at their base. So, um, and I, I couldn't I couldn't even see the ball cross the line when 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 Dennis scored uh, his second uh, to pull one back the other day. So yeah, not not great conditions to to play at all, and um, yeah, not not one to uh, not one for the faint hearted to to be involved with for sure. Good stuff. Any uh, final words, guys, before we pop off and uh, enjoy our evenings? Uh, 
I'm going to save my last word for Emmanuel Dennis. I think, you know, pound for got to be considered as one of the the best signings of the Premier League this yeah. season. Three million pounds or something like that. Five goals, five assists. I think he's turning into our most important player. And I think that can only help his Milo Saar as well. I think from what I've seen from Saar, the pressure's sort of got to him a little bit in the last few games. Not quite been himself, looked cut quite a frustrated figure in himself, really. So I feel like the fact that we've got Dennis and King somewhat now coming to the fore, that pressure is maybe going to alleviate a little bit from Saar and perhaps we're gonna, he's going to have a little bit more of a freedom to, to express yeah. himself a little bit more and not cut that so much of a frustrated figure is what we've seen perhaps in the, the last few few games that, he, that he's played in. Both fighting out for the top goal scorer uh, in, in the Watford ranks uh, currently, aren't they? Absolutely. I think we're a front three are all on five at the minute now. Saar, uh, Saar, King and Dennis. So, uh, yeah, so I can't remember the last time we've had sort of all all of our strikers sort of punching with that sort of good figures in, in the Premier League, apart from Dini Nogalo under, under Kike. So it's it's good to see. And I'm, I'm loving this front three at the minute. I think it's dynamic. I think it's got pace. I think it's got a little bit of everything about it. And I'm I feel like we, we, we can definitely cause teams threat. It's just a a, a threat and a real, real real danger. It's just a matter of we can if we can keep the ball out at the other end. Mm. Tom, your final words? My final word is that I messed up earlier and uh, I gave slightly incorrect figures on uh, how we've done under Claudio Ranieri. It is a significant improvement, but I just want to... Uh, make clear that we're not actually top in the Premier League for goals scored and XG since he came over. We are fourth for goals scored and we are fourth for uh, expected goals in that period. So still not very, still not bad at all. And I think that's the, the positive to cling to, isn't it? He's evidently sorted out the front line and got those guys firing on all cylinders and we, we now just need to sort out the back. And I think we'll be, I'm feeling a lot more positive over the last few games than than I was uh, under Chisco, which is no criticism of him necessarily, but reflective of, of the work that Ranieri's done in a very short time. Yeah, we've got an experienced leader now. We just need a bit of consistency, maybe improvements at the back. And um, we can have a very, very good Watford side there that, um, you know, who knows? that Maybe they could challenge towards the, the top end of the mid part of the Premier League table <laughs> <laughs> I honestly thought you were going to say the top end of the table no, then, no, Matt, no, and I was I, like well steady on I was, mate <laughs> I, was, uh, I, was, I was stopping myself before I was I started the top end of the I middle I was starting yeah, to dream but like the it. top end of the middle yeah that's I mean, that's the, that's what you can aim for really isn't it when you're uh, yeah, I mean but Leicester did it you know Leicester did it didn't they so you never know you never know right well thanks very much for, for joining me guys you can catch both of them on Twitter uh, Tom his Twitter handle with at TB Bodell Bradley, your Twitter handle at Bradley Hayden Eleven. Uh, yes. Please follow us as well at Watford. But uh, that's no, not us. At, at Watford Pod. <laughs> we are the Watford Buzz. Uh, you can also give us a review on iTunes as well. Just go to iTunes. Go down right to the bottom. Scroll down, and you'll see a little bit where it says stars. Uh, just <laughs> uh, give us five or <laughs> whatever you think we deserve. Five out of ten is what we usually ask for, isn't it? That's that's that's, that's the usual number. Um, and then just give us a review and help us. Help us to um, to improve. We want to we want to be a better podcast. We want to be uh, the best we can be, and 
And that starts by you telling us how to improve. So thanks very much. Thanks for listening. Jordan will be back again, hopefully, uh, after the Chelsea game. Um, uh, And from myself, I'll I'll see you next time. From Tom. See you next time. And from Bradley. All right. Bye-bye, guys. Bye-bye.